You're listening to The River Walk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to continue looking at the book of Ephesians and just what is worth fighting for. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. It is great to be back this morning. It has been, I guess... Four weeks since I was here last time, and I don't know how much y'all remembered what we started talking about, but we said we were going to go through the book of Ephesians. And the theme we started at the end of the book of Ephesians, where it talks about spiritual warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6 12, the Apostle Paul wrote that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's been four weeks, so if you took my advice, you should have been able to read through the six short chapters of Ephesians. And today we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4. But we're going to, I want to begin in Matthew chapter 22, and you are going to recognize that passage. It's very familiar. But since it's been four weeks... Let me just remind you of what we talked about. We talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, what is worth fighting for. And in that section, in the application section of that book, Paul wrote about the church. And we went through very clearly and we said that the church was worth fighting for. We said that the devil wants to fight for the church because he knows that if he can stop the work of the church, he can stop the work of Jesus. But we also ended and we said that the devil, Satan, he cannot win. He absolutely cannot win any battle in your life, any battle against the church. He cannot do it unless we just wave the white flag of surrender. Paul made it crystal clear in Ephesians 4 that the church, the body of Christ, is so very important. And he made it crystal clear that it's so very worth fighting for. And ironically, I think, didn't know what was going to happen, you know, four weeks ago when I preached that. But I think maybe some of you have seen just how bad it is when you're not able to meet together and worship. Because the events of the last couple of weeks was indeed hard. But not getting together to worship and to hear from the Lord, it just compounded a bad problem. It made it worse. But remember, as we go through this, remember that this letter was written to the church. It was written to Bible-believing Christians, and he shares who we as Christians were and who we are now. So, I planned to speak this Valentine's Day. Even though it's past Valentine's Day, I want to begin by reading a little bit about love. I want to read a little bit about the two greatest commandments that Jesus said, one that I want to argue is absolutely impossible for any, any person to follow 100% of the time. And that's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. The Pharisees asked Jesus a question. They asked Jesus in verse 36, What is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus quotes the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. He says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. And then the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, it's amazing to me 
at the amount of people, Christians, who make the claim that they don't sin. People actually make that claim, but Jesus shares the two greatest commandments here, and these are not suggestions. These are commandments. And I want to suggest to you this morning that this puts us all at a great, great, great peril, because while this sounds easy, it's extremely difficult, if not downright impossible, to follow. Think about the Ten Commandments for just a minute. It's a pretty easy thing not to murder anybody. I don't know anybody here that's killed anybody else. That's a pretty easy commandment to follow. It's pretty easy not to steal, not to be a thief. It's not always easy, but it's, it's fairly easy not to lie. I would say maybe it's hard to tell the truth, but you can get away pretty easy with not telling a lie. But to love like this, to love like Jesus instructed, like Jesus commanded us to love, it really reveals just how very sinful human nature is. I bet, I'm not a betting man, but I'm pretty sure that even right now, we've not, we've not met in three weeks, but I'm just sure right now on the Lord's day in the Lord's house, some of your minds are drifting to what you have to do this week. Some of your stomachs are probably directing you away from the Lord. What am I going to eat this evening? What bills have I got to pay? It's the first of the month. I've got a lot to do. And your minds are probably drifting. And it's not even, it's not even really your fault. That's just the way we are made. We are so very simple. None of us have ever been able to follow this commandment, even having Jesus 100% of the time. To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's only one man in all of history who was able to follow this commandment 100% of the time. And that man was Jesus Christ. I want to begin there this morning because I want you all to realize that this morning, whether you want to admit it or not, that you are indeed a sinner. As a matter of fact, according to Jesus, we've all broken the greatest commandment there is. Even greater than thou shalt not kill is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So, listen, you either fall into one of two categories this morning. You are either a sinner who has found the Savior, or you are a sinner who is in need of a Savior. That's important for where I'm going with this this morning. So, let's turn back to Ephesians now, and let's get back to what's worth fighting for. So, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1, and Paul knows what I just said. He knows at what great peril we are in, and he knows what a great salvation we have. He knows that Jesus came to solve this problem that we have for being sinners. And he reminds the church just how great a grace they have received in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, written to Christians, and he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the power of the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by our very nature, children of wrath just as the others." That's where we were. We were not able to follow this commandment. We're still not. 
So what happened? In verse 4 it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see what Paul's saying here. He says, hey, we were in trouble. We all we all walked according to the lust of our flesh, it says in, in verse 3. We all fulfilled the desires of our flesh and mind. We were in a big, big peril. We were in trouble. And then you see those great words in verse 4. But, but God, he had rich in mercy towards us. He changed us into a new creature. So now look in chapter 4 and let's read about this new creature. Let's read what is expected of this new man. It says in Ephesians 4 verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness in their heart, who being past fleeing have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness, with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So... We see the condition we were in. We see the condition that we are now in. It's a lot of scripture. It might be a lot to swallow, but it's really quite simple. We were in great peril. We were in trouble. But God had mercy on us. He says, I know you cannot fulfill all this. I know that your old self cannot do what you need to do to come see me. There is nobody in here that is qualified on your own to come be in my presence. You can't do it. So I have mercy on you. I sent my son and I made you a new creature. So church, what is in this passage that's worth fighting for? What is the devil going to come after? What is worth taking up your cross and following Jesus for? And I believe right here crystal clear, it is the new man. Think about all that God has done to make you a new creature in Christ. It's the best gift in the world. Not just for heaven to come, but for right here today. God has given us the ability to be a new man. And I want to suggest to you this morning, the new man is a great threat to the Satan. Satan is not going to spend a whole lot of time attacking the old man. I mean, just think about it for a second. He doesn't have to do a whole lot for the old man. The natural sinful nature that we're in takes care of that battle for him. Our flesh wants to stay away from any kind of conviction. We don't want to be convicted. We don't want to hear what sin is. Our flesh wants to stay away from any kind of spiritual instructions. The devil doesn't even have to think about that. 
So the flesh is just happy to stay at home on Sunday. The flesh is happy to go fishing on Sunday. The flesh is happy to, to do whatever the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to please the flesh. So Satan doesn't even have to try and tempt the flesh. Because the flesh wants what the flesh wants. The old man wants what the old man wants. I mean, think about your flesh. I mean, think about all the sins you can imagine. Think about your five senses. Your eyes want to see what the flesh wants to see. That's why pornography is going up like crazy. That's why you may not like the news, but you want to see what the, what the person you can't stand, you want to see what they have to see because you want to get in on that hate. You might not like that person you see on Facebook, but you're going to look and see what they have to say because your eyes want to see that. And you may know you shouldn't be watching this on TV, but your eyes want to see that. It's the same with what you hear. It's the same with what you hear. For some reason, for some reason that I can't explain and you can't explain either, the kind of music you want to hear is lewd, sinful music. It's what attracts your ears. It could be the exact same kind of music, the exact same kind of rhythm, the exact same kind of beat, but change the lyrics to something about Jesus and for some reason your flesh don't care about that. Because your flesh wants to hear the sinful stuff. Put it to touch. Jesus said to turn to the other cheek. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. Your flesh wants to put a fist up and knock somebody out. At least mine does. Think about your sense of taste. I would argue most here probably, probably don't begin drinking because you like the taste of it. You probably wouldn't begin you know, smoking marijuana because you like the taste of it. Certainly not the smell of it. But you want to taste it just to get a minute of intoxication. Even the smell. You know, they, they make perfume for women and, and cologne for men that, that just ignites pheromones to get you doing what you shouldn't be doing. So, listen, our flesh is evil. So Satan, you know, he doesn't have to spend a lot of time attacking the old man. Satan realizes this important truth in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Where it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So Satan doesn't attack the old man, but he attacks the new man by appealing to the old man. He attacks the new man by appealing to the old man. He keeps the new man from loving like Jesus commanded us to by constantly reminding us of our past. By bringing to our minds the old man or the old woman that we used to be. Satan cannot, he absolutely cannot go after that treasure. He can't touch that treasure, but he can attack. And he will attack that earthen vessel that you're in. And he knows, he knows just how to do it because we all know. Just like I said, and you know it's, you know it's true, we know how our flesh is. And if Satan knows it, you better believe that that he's going to go after your flesh. So many Christians today, we talk about our life before Jesus like it was better. Well, I used to go out all the time. I had all these women. I used to be drunk all the time. Rah, rah, rah. Well, then I found Jesus. Then when I found Jesus, I put my head down and life just totally ended. But church, I want to tell you, that's not the case. I found Jesus and then new life began. I found Jesus and I want to tell you, life is better as the new man. The new man is worth fighting for. And the devil knows that if he can harm that new man, he can harm the church's witness. He can harm the Christian himself. 
He can harm the family. He can harm each and every part of your life except the eternal life. So listen, I want you to know that I want you to know the new man is worth fighting for. So if you realize that, how do we fight? What's expected of us as new creatures in Christ? I think in this little passage in verse 17 through through 25, I think there's some key things we can see, and it's all pretty easy to do. Number one is just to live different. If you're a new man, you should live a new life. In verse 17, he says, I say therefore and testify on the Lord, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. You are a new creature. Church, let me just tell you, Christians, new flash, newsflash, you don't belong here. So stop trying to fit in. Put off that old man every single day and don't be upset if you don't fit in. I heard uh, an evangelist I like listening to, Paul Washer. He said a few weeks ago when he was in college, he gave his life to Jesus. And he would go to downtown Austin and he would hand out tracts. And he said people would come and they would talk bad to him and say, We don't want you here. What are you doing? You look like a fool. And Paul, he said, come here and I want you to look around for a second. There's somebody over there drunk, puking their guts out. There's somebody over there that's tattooed up. You can't even see the color of their skin. There's somebody over there dressed like a prostitute. She probably is a prostitute. There's somebody over there hanging from a street sign. There's somebody over there whose face is so pierced up, it looks like a fishing accident gone bad. Guess what? I don't want to fit in with you people. I don't want to fit in with the country that wants men to go in females' bathrooms. I don't want to be a part of this world. I want to start saying no to what my flesh wants and start saying yes to what God wants. Because guess what? He's got a whole lot better plan than anybody in Washington, D.C. Being part of a new man is saying no to your flesh. No, even though it looks good, even though my flesh may have a good time, no, I'm not going there. No, I'm not going to drink that drink. No, I'm not reacting that way. And men, especially ladies, no, I am not dressing that way. I'm not going to dress that way. I don't belong that way. I'm beautiful. I'm holy. I'm set apart. I don't need to dress that way to attract people that God wouldn't have me with anyway. Men and women, husbands and wife, no, I'm not treating my spouse that way. I'm not treating my spouse the way I used to. No, I'm not posting that post even though I want to so bad. No, I'm not watching that show. No, I'm not listening to that song. No, no, no. You cannot embrace that treasure while saying yes to the flesh. Satan knows that. Don't you think it's worth fighting for? If Jesus gave his life to make you a new creature, don't you think it's worth fighting for that new creature? Something else that's listed in this little passage, he talks about learning in verse 20. He says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. What he's saying here is that you've not learned like this old man. You've learned something better now. So many times... So many times, you know, we preach this and we talk about this, but so many times we don't live as Christ would have us live simply because we don't listen and we don't learn. Every single area of your life, 
be it your work life, your home life, whether you're single looking for a spouse, whether you're already married, whether you're a child, whether you're a parent, it doesn't matter whether you're a preacher, whether you're a teacher, every area of your life, you would do well to ask and to learn how Jesus would have you live. In fact, one of the reasons I love this little book so much because it tells us how the new man should live in every single situation. You want to learn how to be a church member? Just read a few verses up in chapter 4. It tells you exactly what's expected of us as church members. You want to know how to be a good husband? You want to know how to be a good wife? You want to know how to be a good child? You want to know how your household should look for the new man? Go read in chapter 6. You want to know how to fight the devil off? You want to know his tactics? Go read what we just read a little while ago in chapter 6 verse 12. You want to know how to be a, a good employee? If you want to know what God expects of a Christian, if you want to learn what Christ has done for you and learn what you can do for Him, just simply read this little book. It says in verse 23, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You should do that daily. Listen, at the very least you should come to church, but it shouldn't be just a one-time deal. God's given you a great, a great gift by making you a new man. And you can read this book you can read the whole Bible and you can learn very easily what Jesus expects of you. But beware, what Jesus expects goes direct opposite of what your flesh wants. The third thing that I see how we fight for that new man is by saying yes to that treasure that's buried in the flesh. It's by being holy. In verse 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. By being holy. How do we be holy? How do we bear fruit? You know, you ask a bunch of people, you might get a bunch of answers about that. Well, I could be holy by reading my Bible. I could be holy by coming to church. I could be holy by witnessing to my neighbor. I could be holy by abstaining from alcohol, by abstaining from drugs. And yes, all that's true, but it really... It really, really, really comes down to what verse 30 says. Not grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes care of all that for you. Listen, what, what bothers me might not bother you. The Holy Spirit speaks to me because the Holy Spirit knows me. I need to say yes to the Holy Spirit and you do too. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'll love my neighbor as I love myself. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'll pray for others. And while it's so hard to do, if you are calling me, Holy Spirit, to pray for a specific enemy, I'll pray for that enemy. Yes, you give me the opportunity. Somehow, some way, it scares me, it makes me nervous, but I'll share. I'll share my testimony. I'll share about how I was an old man and now I'm a new man. I'll share what I heard in church today. I'll share what I learned in Sunday school today. I'll do it. It scares me, but Holy Spirit, I'm not going to grieve. I'm not going to quench the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'll pick up my cross and I'll follow Jesus. Yes, I will go when and where you tell me to go. You know, so, so many times we get so scared of that, but... There's a chance that God might call you to go overseas in the middle of a war zone and be a missionary, but usually that's not the case. Usually God calls us to go next door. Usually God calls us to come to an altar. 
Usually God calls us to pick up something or to put down something. Usually it's very simple. And we just say no. So this morning I encourage you to say yes. Yes, I'll go when and where you tell me to go. And you look at these old churches. You look at these first churches. They said yes. They said yes, I will be obedient up to the point of death. Can you say the same? Yes, I'll be obedient to the point to death. I will worship you. I will read the Bible. I will do whatever you call me to do, even if it costs me my life. Because Jesus, you gave your life for this new man. So this new man's going to give his life for you. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I thought about this this week. We had a few busted pipes at the house. Thankful for Adam and his crew that came and patched that up for us. It's amazing how that water just comes freely flowing unless it's just stopped. Just a little patchwork, a little pipe, and it just stops. Listen, that Holy Spirit is the same way. Your life could produce so much fruit. You could have so much love and so much joy if you would just take that patch off and just let the water flow freely. The devil, he loves it when the old man conquers the new man. He loves it. It does so much for him. Even something like making a Facebook post, something negative, something like, you know, going off on somebody. He loves it when the old man conquers the new man. But once again, it's just like the battle for the church. The devil can only win those battles when we let him win. Life is so much better when the new man is not just surviving but thriving. So many times we walk through this world and we have that treasure, but our earthen vessels are just, the earthen vessel is thriving. We're giving our bodies everything it wants. Meanwhile, our poor spiritual man is just starving to death. We don't know what's in the Bible. We don't know what God expects from us. We don't come to church. We, we don't live for Christ. We just say no, 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 no. And meanwhile, the greatest treasure in the world, you're just burying Life is better when you let that new man out and you just let that new man thrive. Your worries will go down. Your peace will be good. And, and listen, you might as well do it now because guess what? The old man is going away. It may be 50 years from now. It may be tomorrow, but the old man is going away. The new man, if you are a new creature, is going to live forever. And I just want to close with this simple statement. You cannot fight for the new man if you have not been made new. The real question this morning, have you been born again? Can you point to a time in your life when you just said, hey, I want to start over? I want to be born again. I want to start over. I want to be that new creature in Christ. Do you have that treasure that Paul spoke of? If you do, then you know it's worth fighting for. It's so worth fighting for. Do you have the treasure? I want to um, have an invitation. This Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. And I hope you know that you can become a new man wherever you're at, right here, right now. Hope you join us for Wednesday Words of Wisdom on our YouTube channel every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Have a great week.